Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. The Congressional Summer Recess is rapidly approaching. The House will begin its annual August recess on July 29th, with the Senate joining them just a little over one week later on August 8th. Throughout the month of August, members of Congress are back in their home states and districts. That makes August the perfect time to schedule a meeting with your legislators. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, NAHU lobbyists John Green and Chris Hartman discuss August recess appointments and our August 2022 talking points that will assist you in those meetings. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. For those who have been active members of NHU and their state or local chapter for some time, making appointments during August is nothing new. But for those who don't know about this or have questions, can you talk a little bit about August recess and why it's a great time for folks to make appointments with their lawmakers? Thanks, Dan, and thanks for having us back on again this week. August is a time of year that Congress is in recess. It's traditionally one of the the few months of the year where the House and Senate are not in session and members of Congress are back in the district. And as much as we love everyone coming into Capitol Conference in the end of February to meet with their members of Congress, one of the great ways of meeting with your members of Congress is actually back in the district. And often back in the district, they even have more time to meet with you than they do in Washington. In Washington, there's lots of competing activities like votes, hearings, markups. And so it's very hard to maybe find the time to meet with constituents who are traveling to Washington, at least meet with them for very long periods of time. So back in the district during August, there are no competing interest, at least on a obligation side of things, right? There's no votes that they have to go do. There's no hearings that they need to be at. They can build their own schedule from scratch in August about what community events they want to go, and what constituents they want to meet with. So I think it's really a perfect time to meet with your members of Congress and really use that time to get a little more in-depth on a topic. So often in Washington, you're sort of talking to them for five minutes really briefly, and you're trying to really give an elevator speech on a topic. But now is the time you can really get into the weeds a little bit more, discuss the topic at hand, also discuss what it means to be a health insurance agent, your role in the industry, how you really have an interesting nexus between the employer and the insurance carrier and the individual and really how much you talk to consumers and really help educate them a little bit on the overall private health insurance market and how it works. So I'm a big advocate for having people meet with their member of Congress over the August recess. Great overview, Chris. I would just add that, you know, this is a midterm election period. And so they're also trying to get a pulse on what are the issues that are concerned to their constituents. And I think that nexus that Chris talked about relative to the agents and the employers, you know, what issues are on their minds. This is how you become a continuing resource to that member of Congress when they are in session as well. So each August recess, we release our federal priorities for the summer, or otherwise known as our talking points to 
assist folks in their meetings with their legislators. So let's dive into our talking points, which you can find in this week's edition of the Washington Update, as well as on NAHU.org under advocacy under legislative issues. So our federal priorities look a little different than previous years. What is the main focus of this summer's talking points? What's unique about it this year is that we've boiled it down to a single issue. It doesn't mean that it's the only issue that we're focused on this year, but it's one that we've been working on for a number of years, and that is the employer reporting bill. We really would like to clear this one off the decks. There are a lot of things going on relative to reporting that make this an even higher priority for us. So the administration's talked about fixing the family glitch, for example. Creating this new flexibility in terms of reporting will actually help facilitate that. We also have some other stars aligned on this issue in terms of having our bills harmonized between the Senate and the House with the same language. And so we're sort of teeing this thing up in a way that it could all come together. And so we just want to get it across the finish line. The other thing is that sometimes I have to admit that in the past, we've had too many issues to talk about. And, you know, the bandwidth of members is only so wide, right? And there are only so many things that they will tackle or want to hear about. Having this singular issue kind of laser focuses for the member what is of greatest importance to us right now. Yeah, and I think this topic is particularly important because there aren't a whole lot of people who are going to be bringing this problem up, right? The insurance carriers are not going to be bringing up the issues of employer reporting. Employers may bring up the issue of employer reporting, but it's going to be amongst many other things such as taxes, trying to inflation, trying to come up with new employees. So they have a lot of competing interests. I think, again, this goes back to the unique role of a health insurance agent that we are really sort of in between the issuer and the employer. And so it is a great topic to really bring up to the members of Congress about this particular problem that really doesn't need to be. Can you go into a little more detail about which specific employer reporting related talking points are included in our summer 2022 federal priorities? What are some of the issues with the current reporting system that I'm sure many members are aware of? And what solutions do we offer in our talking points? So one of the things that's currently happening under the employer reporting system is individuals are going online to healthcare.gov and they are doing this because of advertising and they hear about, you know, that there are plans out there that some people don't even have to pay for anymore. So they go into healthcare.gov. And one of the first questions that come up is, is your employer giving you an affordable offer of coverage? And what people really don't understand is that affordable offer of coverage is a legal question. Many people will just put no because they have to pay something in general and they want to see if there's something cheaper out there that's an option. In their mind, it's not affordable to them. And so what happens when you do that is it brings up all the plans on healthcare.gov, but with the tax credit included. And so somebody will go through, pick out a plan on there and get the individual health insurance plan and time will go by, they'll use this plan. Years down the road, what will happen is the IRS will look at this and they'll go through these files and, and you know, this could be five years down the road and they'll look at it and say, hey, this person got an ACA tax credit and it looks like they're working for an employer who has more than 50 employees and should be offering health insurance. And so what happens at that point, unfortunately, is they don't go through and see if the employer is offering health insurance. 
what they do is they immediately send off a penalty notice and they send off this letter. It's called a 226J tax penalty notice to employer that they need to pay penalty for not offering health insurance. And many employers at that particular point freak out. This can be for tens of thousands of dollars. For large employers, it can be larger than that. And they freak out and they'll maybe they'll call their insurance broker. They'll call their accountant. They'll call lawyers. At that point, we're spending time proving that the employer is offering affordable coverage to their employees. We've actually found with these penalty notices that there's an 80% overturn rate. And in our mind, that means there's an 80% error rate from the IRS in sending out these penalty notices. And so what we would like to see happen is allowing more of a prospective system. As opposed to the employee going online and saying that, putting in their information and saying they're not given an affordable offer of coverage, what we would like to see is employers be able to prospectively tell the IRS that they're offering health insurance to their employees. And then when that employee goes online and puts in their information, it would pop up and say, your employer is offering you an affordable offer of coverage please go back and look at that affordable offer of coverage. If you want to continue, you can continue forward, but we're going to do that without having the tax credits in there and show you plans that are available in your community without the tax credit assistance. And what that would really do is it would reduce the penalty notices that employers are getting because then individuals would understand that they are given an affordable offer of coverage. And if they want to turn down that affordable offer of coverage, The only insurance they can get are insurance without a tax credit, because remember, under the ACA, you are only eligible for tax credits if you are not given an affordable offer of coverage from your employer. If you are given an affordable offer of coverage, you're not eligible for any assistance from the federal government. So we just think that this will make employers' lives considerably easier. The way this bill is also done, it's not requiring employers to do this. If employers feel that their system is just fine the way it is in place, they are not going to be required to change their systems for reporting. But it does give employers this option for avoiding those employer reporting penalties up front by allowing this information out there. And let's get serious. From the employee point of view, they're assuming healthcare.gov really knows something about them, right? Like you go on Amazon and you put in your information, it knows you everything you've ever bought and everything it thinks you want to buy, right? So why doesn't healthcare.gov know a little more about you just intuitively? And, And employees are really expecting that now. And remember, this is not just a benefit for employers not getting this penalty. This is also a benefit for those employees. Because remember, once the IRS learns that you were given an affordable offer of coverage, the IRS can now go after that individual and say, look, you got a tax credit you were not eligible for. You need to repay that tax credit back to the Treasury. And we're talking about if it's a family plan, we could be talking about tens of thousands of dollars. Some of these are the people who can least afford this. If they particularly did this five years ago, they were getting a tax credit. They were making less than 400% of poverty. And so they would be having to pay back tens of thousands of dollars. And we're talking about people who are the least likely to be able to actually afford paying that back to the federal government. So we think this makes common sense for not only the employers, but for the employees. This really is a consumer protection that is also built into this bill. So for those reasons, I think this makes a lot of sense. This is something that both Democrats and Republicans can be interested in. This can be something that people who are interested in helping employers are interested. This can be something that people who are interested in helping consumers are interested in. And therefore, 
would make a lot of sense to get done now. You know, the IRS never asked employers what they thought about the reporting system, right? They just asked the IRS and the IRS wrote the provision. Well, times have also changed. You know, we have a pay and chase program, it's called Medicare. And with subsidies as high as they are available, more people are going to be looking into that option. I think this is also then a good government measure, should help save the treasury and the taxpayer in the long run and not doling out subsidies to people who are not eligible. They should be for those who are actually in need. And so from that perspective, I think it's also a very strong measure. But as Chris said, this is really an orphan issue. And so if we don't raise it, no one else will. It's a small tax issue. It's a voluntary program. It also sets up some guardrails around how long the IRS has to ping a, an employer for an infraction. And it just simply conforms to current law and regulatory practice. We don't want employers to get these notices 20 years later, you know, have it open-ended. So we just added those guardrails. So there's an added protection for employers. I believe that this will really help the overall employer-based healthcare system, right? People are trying to retain employees right now because of record low unemployment in this country and the difficulty of finding employees. I think this is this bill would be very helpful to retaining employees because look, if, if the employer overturns these penalty notices and then the IRS goes after these employees for getting penalties they were not entitled to, they're gonna feel like their boss turned them into the IRS, right? Like they're gonna feel like that their employer turned them into the IRS and now the IRS is going after them for tens of thousands of dollars. That's obviously setting up a work environment that is not friendly and is going to have that employee not really want to stay around that employer much longer. Even though all the employer was really doing was getting them out of a penalty from the employer point of view that they also should not be getting from the IRS because they are complying with the law. So I think that this just makes a lot of sense for the environment we're in. I also think this bill makes a lot of sense when we're looking at the family glitch. So the Biden administration has proposed addressing the family glitch and the affordability clause here. If the IRS had this information upfront about, is it the employer giving an affordable offer of coverage? This would also reduce some of the issues and burdens on that family glitch that's going on out there. Employers would tell the IRS what they're offering. Are they offering an individual plan, family plan? Is it affordable? All that information coming up upfront, it would be a way of really getting at this family glitch question because one of the things that they're going to have to determine with that family glitch is about that family's affordability. And are they eligible for tax credits the way the regulation, the rule that has come out from the department on being eligible to take the rest of the family for tax credits? So under that rule, yes, the employee has to stay with the employer for that health insurance, but the rest of the family could go onto the ACA and get a tax credit. Currently under the law, you would not be eligible for that tax credit. But now under this rule, yes, the employee would have to stay with the employer, but the rest of the family could become their own unit, go in, into the ACA market and get a tax credit for that. This might be of financial benefit to some people, depending on how the health insurance plans are set up in your area. And so this information, again, I think would make that work much better because you're now prospectively, again, giving the government that information on what you are offering and, that you, and what you're offering to your employees. So I, I think this actually pairs well with the current regulatory environment we're in and really sets this up for proper timing on this subject. So that all being said, 
how can folks get on their legislators' calendars for August? How do NEHU members book these appointments? So I would either email. A lot of websites have request a meeting on there. I would email or call your members of Congress's district office and request there. So either through the website or through calling the district office, identify that you are with a chapter of the National Association of Health Underwriters, and you would like to come in for a meeting with the members of Congress to discuss health care and health insurance. Um, and we recommend getting that on the books. And I, I can tell you that, again, this is the perfect time of year to do it. There is truly blocks of time that members of Congress have available to do this. Many other organizations and interest groups are also doing this. And so I think it's always important to get in there because if you are not actively advocating on behalf of your interest and your career. Remember, there are other people advocating in other directions that might not be of a benefit to you. So it is all the more reason that you need to be stay engaged and do part of your civic duty here. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So Chris, who are we toasting to this week? At our annual convention at the end of June, NAHU elected its new board. And so this week we're toasting to the new NAHU board and our new president and soon-to-be NABIP president, Kelly Fristo. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.